Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Our mission is to reach, teach, and baptize throughout the world, beginning in our community, fulfilling the Great Commission by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. That simply means we're here to reach irreligious people and turn them into lifelong devoted followers of Jesus, equip them for a place of service in the church, and send them out on a mission for Christ in the world. We're glad you're with us today. I command blessings on you and your family today. this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. We read it earlier responsively, and I want to pick out just the seventh verse in your hearing. And the seventh verse of the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians says, Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. This is the word of God for the people of God. I want to preach this morning from the question, is it possible to stay in love? Is it possible to stay in love? I know there are a lot of people who have tried, and some would say impossible. (laughs) Some would believe that it's possible, but with a different person. Some would think it's possible, but I haven't met it yet. I'm not sure. With all of the trouble, all of the trials, all of the difficulties that we see in our world, is it possible that people can be in love and remain in love? It's a devastating question with a difficult answer, but the answer really is simple. It is possible if we understand the perfections of love, these qualities that are necessary to allow people to remain in love. And I'm not just talking about romantic love either. I'm talking about human love. I'm talking about godly love. I'm talking about brotherly love. I'm talking about mankind. I'm talking about the good of all that God would want to happen through the human experience. But I want to approach it first from a negative standpoint and then bring it back around and help you to see what I'm trying to convey for the morning. Now, in this section of 1 Corinthians, you you would know that this letter is written by the Apostle Paul to the people at Corinth. The people of Corinth are in a very negative set of situations. 
where nothing is working well, where divisions are everywhere. It's, it's a reminder of how the society and the world in which we live in. Corinth was a city and a, and a town in Macedonia that was very much like the major cities of our United States. The day the Super Bowl will be played in Los Angeles, and it'll be more than Super Bowl that's going to be played there. Hollywood stars and Hollywood swingers will be out in great numbers. And I want you to understand that there'll be more than just that game. It'll be a lot of other games that are being played. And there are a lot of games that are being played with the lives of people everywhere, every day. And at the root of all of that is sin. And may I tell you, sin has effects or affects on people's lives. Sin affects people negatively in two different ways. It, it affects people from a spiritual standpoint because it interferes with their relationship with God. But sin also affects the individual from a physiological standpoint. You can't live any kind of way and think you're going to get by. And consequently, this is why there is a problem with this issue called love. There was a man, you know him in scripture, his name is David. David was a man after God's own heart. David had all of the natural elements that any man would want to have. David was good looking. Yeah, he was. That, that's, that's what the scripture described him. I mean, you know, David had a good-looking mama, he had a good-looking daddy, so he had a chance. <laughs> David obviously had physique, he had been a shepherd boy out there swinging, slaying shots, and picking up sheep, and <laughs> tackling lions and tigers and bears, oh my. But David tried to get by one day. You know what he did? He was on the balcony and he looked over and he saw a young girl skinny dipping and he decided that he wanted her and he called her to his house and he went in under her. You know the story. You know what happened with David. And not only did he do that, but then he tried to cover that up by putting her husband Uriah in the heat of battle to make sure that he was killed and it amounted to murder. And then didn't want to say nothing about it. But the Bible helps us to understand that that sin had a negative impact on David's physical body. Psalm 32, uh, David says, listen, he said this. He, he, said, it, 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 he said, when I kept silent about it, he said, when I failed to acknowledge my sin, he said, then my bones became Oh, through like roaring all the day long. He's actually going through physical pain because he did not acknowledge what he had done. Now, I'm coming somewhere, so don't worry. Just hang with me. Fasten your seatbelt. David said, it was heavy on me. And he said, my moisture 
turn into the draft, into the drought of summer. And he said, the juices inside of me dried up. Uh, because he did not acknowledge that. But once he acknowledged what he had done, then God restored him. And David was restored fully and able to move forward. I want you to understand this morning that things happen to people when people don't love. It was that way with the Corinthians. The very people that Paul has writing this letter to. They were divided. Some people wanted to follow this leader. Some people wanted to follow that leader. There was all kind of sin going on in the city and in the church. Nobody was saying anything about it. There was a family that was involved in incestuous relationship and nobody was saying nothing. And Paul looks at all of this. He hears about all of this. And he says to them, the solution to your problem is a lack of love. And if you want to get it right, then you're going to have to love. May I pause parenthetically and say, the solution to this nation is love. The solution to the problems in the home is love. The solution to what's going on in the community is love. The solution to what goes on in the church is And the problem behind the lack of love, whenever there is a display of the lack of love, then physical things go wrong. Listen, it happened in the, in the Corinthian church. Paul was saying to them, when he wrote to them in the 11th chapter, he said, listen, I want you to be careful about how you approach the Lord's table. He said, for this cause, many are sick and weak among you and many sleep. It had a physical impact upon the people at Corinth because they had not acknowledged what they had done. I wonder this morning, I wonder on this day before Valentine's Day, how many families would be better served if someone would just step up and say, look, it was my, it's my bad. I didn't do it right. I didn't have you well. Didn't treat you right. Didn't talk to you like I should have. And demonstrate again what? Love. We talked about it in private yesterday a little bit among the men. But you know the truth is that sometimes we think we can get by. And we think we can get away. But you can't get away with treating people any kind of way. You can't get away with talking to folk any kind of way. You can't talk, get away with talking to your children any kind of way and treating them any kind of way. And think that the society is going to get better by itself. So Paul says to the Corinthians, he said, let me tell you something. You think you know what you need to know, but let me think about all that you can do and all that you know. And then let me show you a more excellent way. Paul said, even if I had the ability to speak in languages. And how many know that that, 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 that COVID boys wrote about those languages of love? He talked about five love languages. But Paul is speaking of three love languages here. He said, oh, if I had the tongue of men and of angels. He said, but if I don't have the love, he said, I'm nothing but a noise maker. (laughs) 
And I was watching a movie the other day, man, and I think I was on the plane coming back into the movie was on, and it was one of the Tyler Perry movies. What is it, Alimony? Alimony? Yeah, y'all know the movie. Yeah, that one. And this boy was just lying to this girl left and right. Just lying to her. And, 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 and she knew that he was lying to her. And she just said, oh, he loves me. I, I, I wish I could reach somebody this morning and, and help you understand. That's not what it is. I, I know you want to feel the romantic expressions that come, but that's not what real love is. I know you would like to think of all of the things that Aesop tell boy meets girl and they ride off into the sunset and live happily ever after. That's a storybook. That's not real. What you're going to have to learn is that it's not the talk that does it. Love is an action word. And if the action doesn't come with it, I don't care what a brother say. Or even what a sister say is not going to happen the way it should happen. And that's what we got to understand. There's a lot of talk going on in the world. There's a lot of talk going on everywhere. There's a lot of talk in the church. There's a lot of talk in the street. But very little action. And so Paul says in this description, this is probably the apex of a passage of scripture on love. And I can imagine that Paul's secretary who was dictating the writings here, as he was writing this letter to the Corinthians, that she was probably looking, mm-hmm, that's right, Paul, get him, say it. But when he came to this 13th chapter, his language changed so differently. He said, not only must I speak, should I have had the gift to speak with tongues of men of angels, but if I don't have this thing called love, nothing. He said, if I had the, the ability to understand all mysteries, he said, but Without love, I'm still nothing. He said, even if I had the gifts to give and could give my body to be burned, he said, that profits me nothing. Then he goes into the description of what love really is. He, he says, he gives us really 15 characteristics of love, but he gives us 11 before I get to where I want to get to. Listen to what he says. He said, love suffers long. How many know it does? Yeah, we, 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 it, it, it means being patient with people. How many know you got to be patient with somebody if you're going to love them, for real? And he said, love is, is kind. And, and that means it's, it, love is, is useful to other people. It's not just beneficial for the one who is the recipient of it or the one who's giving it. Love is kind to all people. And we need some kindness in our world today. We need some kindness in our community. We need kindness in our home. You got folk that walk around, look at each other, won't say a kind word. But they come to church, they can speak in tongues, but can't speak a kind word to one another. Say, love envies not. Uh, Love love is not jealous. It, it, It doesn't look for the wrong, the ugly things in folk. Love, love is not hung up like that. Love, love, he said, does not vaunt it itself. It doesn't lift itself up. It's not boastful. When, 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 when a man loves a woman, he, he's not worried about bragging about it. He just does it. 
when people love one another, most of the time when people really love and people are doing deeds of mercy, they don't even want to talk about it. They just want to do it. They don't even want you to know that they did it. They just do it. Because love, true love, is not boastful. You got to stand around and brag about the big box of candy that you're going to give. Keep it. Love is not puffed up. Doesn't, doesn't lift itself up. It's inward. It, it, it comes from within. I'm describing it. What's possible if this kind of behavior, when these kind of characteristics are lived out through the life, then it is possible for people to stay in love. That's where I'm going with this. So I want you to understand that love uh, does not behave itself rudely. You, 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 don't, you don't have to be ducking and dodging when that's real love. You ain't got to worry about whether or not boy coming your way with violence. You don't have to worry about being mistreated. When there's real godly love that's being displayed. Love doesn't seek its own. I mean, no, we live in a selfish world. Everything is only about me, myself, and I. But that's not an example of real love. When real love is in place, it won't seek its own. Real love is not easily provoked. I mean, you, 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 you don't worry about being upset all the time. Love, real love, causes calmness and peace among people. Teeth and tongue fall out, but we find a way to get it back on track. When that's real love, anybody hear me this morning? Love thinks no evil. Lord, help us. And all of this was completely opposite from the way the Corinthian people were behaving. The Corinthian people did not have love. They did not have love for each other. They did not have love for Christians. They did not have love for God. They did not have love. They, they had heard the gospel. They had believed the gospel. They had accepted the gospel. But their practice was still foreign from the demonstration of what it needed to be. And I think that that happens too often. I think that people go through the motion. We like these big days. We like these annual days. We like to look good. We like to come out. But when the day is over, then what? Is the love for God sustainable? Does it last? Does it continue? Do you love other people? And will it continue beyond the cherished smiles? I met with a group of young people a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking to them about the church. I said, what is it you want me to know about the church? And they said, well, Pastor, he said that, that people sometimes are not loving. He said people, well, they, they think they are loving because they love the people that they know, but new people that they see, they don't act like they love them. They walk past people and won't speak to them. If we're going to change this society, if we're going to change this community, then we're going to have to demonstrate Real love. And so what I want you to understand, and Paul goes on to say in number 10, he said, love rejoices not in iniquity or in unrighteousness. Love doesn't, doesn't, doesn't brag. It doesn't get excited about wrong things. Love get excited about right things. And he said, love rejoices in the truth. 
Those are the characteristics that we got to mark. And then I want to give you these four because this is what the sermonic uh, spotlight focuses on. On these particular four things that if you put these in practice, whether you're a man trying to love a woman or a woman trying to love a man or a mother trying to love a child or whatever the human relationship is, with these four that I'm holding for you, love would be possible to continue in. Listen to what Paul says. He says, first and foremost, love bears all things. When there's true love, it bears all things. What, what, is that, what does that really mean? It's a tremendous word. This word bears. It really means to cover with silence. It, it, it really means it suppresses. Real love suppresses the faults of other people. It throws a blanket over it. It covers what is wrong. Do you know that people in relationships don't cover their fault? They want to expose it. There are people who rejoice and aha, I gotcha. And that's one of the reasons families are breaking up everywhere. I said to the men yesterday, as you can find a hundred reasons every day to walk out if you want to. And everybody that's ever been in a relationship know that you can. All you have to do is look for the negative and you can find it. But when there is love, Love will bear it. It doesn't mean it goes along with it, but it just covers it. It just understands what's at stake. What's at stake when you are involved in a family is more than just you. When you are involved in serving God, it's more than just you. When you are involved in changing the community or changing the world, it's more than just what's comfortable to you. You have to be able to look over other people's things. Over their problems. Anybody who's been on a long-term relationship know that you've had to look over some stuff. And to be honest with you, other folk have had to look over some stuff for you. Is there anybody here that know I'm telling the truth? See, we like depravity. We like mess. And there are a lot of messy people. And they love mess. Uh, you got news reporters that walk around, they're looking for mess. And you got people who are Facebook reporters, they're looking for mess. Instagram reporters looking for mess. They want to expose the ugliness that's in people. But that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help anybody to tear people down. It doesn't help to tear your family apart. It doesn't help a husband to tear his wife down or a wife to tear her husband down. Then what? What good does it do to tear your children down? Or even to tear your community up? When I was principal of Arrington School, it was a new school. I was second principal of the school. And I would say to the kids, I said, if you tear up your school, then what you going to have? Where are you going to go? You know, you, this has been put here for you. And so you've got to learn to appreciate where you are. Amen. And I submit to us today that, that to 
try to tear each other apart doesn't accomplish God's purposes at all. God knows who you are. God knows what's wrong with every one of you. And I want you to understand that the best illustration of the covering or the bearing of all things is the cross of Calvary. At the cross of Calvary, Jesus covered us. Didn't he do it? He, he knew who he was. He knew what he was doing. He knew he was coming into a sinful world. So he doesn't have to look at me and say, oh boy, I didn't know Michael would be so much trouble to save. And so he doesn't have to look at you and say, I didn't know she would be so hard. God knows who you are. And yet, he put a blanket over you. And he covered your sins so that you could be made into the righteousness of God. Okay? God is that person who understands what true love is. And he wants us to understand what true love is. Love throws a mantle. It, it covers. It's a redemptive element to love. And we got to be able to redeem our families. We got to buy our families back. We got to bring our community back. We got to bring our church back. We got to bring our nation back. I know there are political campaigns that say we got to take this nation back. But that's a different message. And it's a different methodology. And it's not based upon love for other people. We got to do that. We got to be willing to stop trying to show where somebody else is all messed up. You know, when people do that, you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to make themselves look better. They're trying to make themselves be bigger than, than everybody else so they can look down their noses at, at everybody else. Nobody knows. My mother used to say, whenever you point your finger at someone else, you got a thumb pointing back at you. We need to have this redeeming quality. If we're going to be the people that God wants us to be. This pandemic has had its devastation on all of us. And as we come back together, today is a beautiful example of it. As we come back together as a family, we can't come back with the intent of tearing each other apart. We've got to come back together being willing to bear all things, bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's sorrow. Bear one another's trials. And I'm saying the men have got to lead the way. Paul knew what he was talking about. Paul understood what he was saying. There was a young girl in history during the times of Cromwell. Cromwell was a great general. And this man who was engaged to this young girl, Cromwell had sentenced to die. And she was to die at the tolling of the bell, which symbolized the time of everybody being at home, the curfew time. And at the time when it was curfew time, the firing squad was ready. They had lined up her lover. And he was facing the firing squad. And the man who rang the bell, as he had done so many years before, swung on the bell and he pulled it with all of his might and he pulled it with all of his might as he had done so many times before. But he was half blind at this point in his life and deaf and could not hear that the bell did not ring. The bell did not ring because the young girl who was 
engaged to this young man that was about to be killed had climbed up the ladder to the bell tower and had clung to the mallet that swings back and forth. And when the bell swung, it crushed her against the wall, but it prevented the sound of the bell. And when Cromwell decided after waiting until the bell sounded and didn't hear it, wanted to know why the bell didn't sing, didn't ring. And the girl came down with her face bruised and meshed, blood all over her, and laid at his feet and told her story of how she bore the pain to keep her boyfriend from being killed. Oh, that's what's needed today. Nobody's willing to sacrifice. Nobody is willing to give up self to bear the burden for someone else. When that girl finished telling her story, Cromwell looked at her and he said, your lover will live. And he took away the execution sentence from his life all because she was willing to bear all things. But not only does Paul say we should bear all things, but in that seventh verse there, Paul says we have to believe all things. And when he's speaking about all things, he doesn't mean everything. You don't believe everything you hear. Nobody believes everything you hear. He's not talking about all things, whatever people say. You're not foolish. You know, I was talking to people, man, I was trying to rent a car, man. I, was, I had to go out of town. I was renting a car and got there. And the lady told me, she said, it'll be $200. I said, for what? She said, for the car. I said, for how long you think I'm talking about? I said, I'm talking about one day. She said, well, it's Valentine's weekend, so the cost of it more. I said, baby, I just look like this, okay? You got to understand, you can't believe everything. But there are some things, there are some truths that you should believe. There are some things that you must understand. You must believe the truth about who God is. You must believe about who God has made you to be and what God has called you to be. If God has given you somebody significant in your life, you must believe in that person. You must believe that they are valuable and you must treat them with value. You're called to be a leader in a community. You must believe in the role of leadership. You must believe in the understanding, in the cause of what you're trying to accomplish. If you're a member of a church, you must believe in its mission and in its vision. You must believe the things that you should believe. Now, you don't have to believe all of the lies. And some of you girls, I got to be honest with you, you got to watch yourself. Because these boys can throw it at you. They can come down with some stuff. And you just have, you just have to have, the, what it's called is discernment. You, you have to be able to distinguish between what's the truth and what's not the truth. And, 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 the, and the truth is, you learn that over time. And all of my young adults in here today who are wishing and thinking, oh, tomorrow will be a great day. I wonder, is he going to give me the ring? I wonder, is he going to break on his knee? If he comes with that sad story. 
You got to know what to believe and what not to believe. You don't just marry a person just overnight. You got to learn some things. You got to learn what to believe about this person. What not to believe about this person. There are some character traits that ought to come out of your life. And if somebody else says something that's totally contradictory of what you know, then you should know what to believe. There are some things, man, people might say, I don't know what people may say about me, but there are some things that they say, my people who know me well enough would know that is just not the truth. And that should be that way in which you live and the way you carry yourself. That people would know what to believe and what not to believe. And there are some things about God that you should believe and you must believe. You should know what kind of God he is. And you should know what God would do. And you have to believe that. Belief is what translates into faith. <clears throat> and when you believe something strong enough and long enough, it will turn into faith. See, what is it that I believe? I believe that God has blessed me with good children. I believe that. And I believe that God has some purposes and some things in mind. Maybe it started off as a hope. Maybe it started off that something I believe, something I would say. But now it has turned into faith. You understand that? And, and what is it that I believe about the community? What is it that I still believe about this, this, this nation? I still believe that God has a great dream. I do believe that there is possibility here. How many believe that one day you will be where you want to be? That you will accomplish what you want to accomplish? That you will be that person? And I know that there are some people who are hopeful of love and relationship, but you've got to believe it. You've got to believe right things. You've got to believe positive things. You've got to believe truthful things. Paul says it later to, to, the, to, the, to the Philippians. He said to them, he said, listen, in chapter four, he said, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are pure, whatever things of good report, Think on these things. And if you think on these things long enough and meditate on those things, they will become the truths in your life that you're to believe. So believe good things about the person that you're trying to live with. I mean, at this point, if you've been in a relationship, you should believe the best. You should hold out that all the way that it will be all that it needs to be. Not only must you believe things, but Paul also says you got to hope in all things. I'm talking about the qualities that make that love last. If you're going to make love last, you got to be able to cover some stuff. You don't have to agree with everything. You don't have to go along with everything. But you need to be, rather than trying to expose people and trying to tear people down, you got to be willing to cover some things because God has done that for you. you. You've got to believe some things. You've got to believe the best about people. You can't believe the worst things about folk and expect them to do it. Life becomes self-fulfilling prophecies. If you tell your children you know you're not any good, and you pound that into their heads, they will believe that and they will try their best to demonstrate that. 
or believe all things, but then you have to hope. And, and, and hope is, we, we just can't live without hope. You, you can't make it without hope. Faith tells you that it's out there, that it's possible, but hope says it can be mine. It can be for me. The dream that I have, the, the relationship that I believe, the, the, the service that I want to give, the life that I want to give. I want to just serve God, but you got to have hope to do that. You, you, you can't give up. If, if, if some, you go to the doctor tomorrow and the doctor tells you something you don't want to hear, you have to have hope. If, if, if your child that you have raised, see, that's what mothers have. Mothers have hope. They are people of hope. Kids, when they're in their mother's womb, they're, they're hoping, they're talking to their baby, they're dreaming, they're believing, they're thinking about the possibility and the future. And they never give up that hope. Even though the child may go astray, even though the child may not do the way I would want them to do, but I still hold on to hope. You, you, you can't make it without hope. Every day will be different. Every circumstance will throw its negativities. Look at these Corinthians. These Corinthians were, they were negative people. These were people who would not even think in the love feast of giving their brother or sister anything to eat because they didn't have any love. These were people who were willing to follow this one and follow that one and follow that one because they didn't have any love. These were people who were willing to just abuse and mistreat one another because they didn't have any, any love. And Paul is writing this, this crescendo passage to help them to understand that if you're going to be the people that God wants you to be, you're going to have to have love. And, and, and love is characterized by being the kind of person who can bear, who can cover the faults of another. Love is characterized by being the kind of person who can believe the best in another person. Love is characterized by being the kind of person who can hold out hope that even though we have went through a rough spot, there is still a bright future. And, and that's how I feel this morning. Yes, been married 43 years. And yes, we've had some ups, we've had some downs, but I still hold out hope. Anybody here hold out hope? We've been through a pandemic. We've been 20 months without being able to be in places like we want to be. But I still hold out hope. I still hold out hope for West End that this community can be revitalized, that God has a brighter day in its mind for this community. I still hold out hope. I still hold out hope for America in the midst of African American History Month. I still hold out hope that King's dream will one day be realized. That, that we'll be judged one day by the content of your character and not by the color of your skin. I still hold out hope. I still hold out hope for Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I still hold out hope for my children and for my grandchildren and for my great-grandchildren that are yet unborn. I still hold out hope. KB, the people that God wants you to be without hope. But somebody's looking at me now and you're saying, but pastor, my hope is about gone. I tried everything. I gave everything I could give. 
I put it all in them and they still won't do right. I prayed for this man. I've taken him to the altar. I've laid my hands on his head when he was asleep. And I prayed over him and I spoke all kinds of things. And he's still a rascal. And some man has said, well, Pastor, I've, I've done all I could do. And I've done the best that I could to make this family be what it needs to be. And my hope is almost gone. Well, there's one more characteristic that Paul sees. Not only bear all things, not only believe all things, not only hope all things, but he talked about endurance. You got to hang in there. You got to, you got to, you got to hang in there. You have to endure until the end. How many know the darkest hour is just before the dawn? You're at the point you're ready to throw up your hands and God is saying, wait, don't do it just yet. Just hold on just a little while longer because I'm not through yet. I I made you go to the end of your road. I pushed you to the end of your limit. But when you come to the end of your limit, you're just at the beginning of my power to take over. How many know that man's extremity become God's opportunity? When you can't do no more. Anybody here ever been to that point where you have gone as far as you humanly know to go? But just then, just in the nick of time, God steps in. See, I think that's why we like sports. I think that's why we like Super Bowl. I think that's why we like to see a victory snatched from sudden defeat. When things look bad, when it look like the team is going to lose, when it look like you're down to your last play, it's fourth and 20, and the team has been rushing all day, and you drop back for one last pass. God said, just hang in there. Just hang in there. Just hang in there. Because when you turn it loose, I'm going to show up and I'm going to show out. Anybody ever had God to show up and show out just when you thought it was all over? It was like that for Jesus, you know. They took him to a hill called Calvary. They marched him from one courtroom to another. But then when they got him to the place of the skull, they put nails in his hand. I believe his mother Mary was watching and saying, oh, that doesn't look good. Then she saw him pierce him in his side. And his friends said, oh, this is bad. This is really bad. And then all of the crowd saw him drop his head in the locks of his shoulders and he died. It looked really bad. All day Friday, it looked like it was over. All day Saturday, it looked like it was over. But early, the third day morning, he got up with all power in his hand. I want somebody here to know that if you just hold out until God comes through, tears may be in your eyes. 
You may be thinking this relationship has had its last turn. You may be thinking that this community has no hope. You may be thinking that there is no future for this nation or there is no possibility that's left inside of me. But just wait <laughs> just a little while longer. Endure the cross. Bear the pain. Supported by God's word. Because God is going to come through. How many know God will come through? Has he ever come through for you in a financial crunch? Has he ever come through you when the doctor said it was nothing else? Has God ever come through when the family thought you were no good? When everybody shook their hand and gave up on you, but God did not give up on you. I want to encourage somebody here. I want to encourage some man here today to understand you just got to hold on even when you can't see it. Hold on. Hold on. I want to encourage some woman. Hold on. I know he may be crazy. It may not look like you're getting through, but hold on. God is not through yet. When God gets through, when God speaks, when the smoke clears and the dust settles, you will see the power of God. Listen, isn't that what Jesus said? He went to that home one day called the home of Jairus. He had a 12-year-old daughter. He came to Jesus in the crowd and he said, go home with me. My 12-year-old daughter is at the point of death. But before they could get to his house, somebody said, trouble the master no longer. The girl is dead. Jesus said, just hold on. I'm not through yet. Just hold on. I'm going home with you. Jesus goes home. The funeral has already started. The flute players are playing. The dirges are going forward. Jesus said to the mother and the father, just hold on. The girl is not dead. She's asleep. The people laughed at him. But he looked back and he said, I said, hold on. He goes into the room. He takes the little girl by the hand. And he said, young girl, get up. And that girl that everybody thought was dead got up. This community that everybody think is dead is going to rise up. That marriage that you thought was dead, God can breathe life into it. This nation that look a mess, God is not done. It's just a wave of his spirit. Just a wave of his power. Just a touch of his hand. God looked at Ezekiel one day in the valley of dry bones and he said son of man can these bones live and Ezekiel said Lord you know and God's spirit swept over that valley and old people said and the foot bone got connected to the ankle bone and the ankle bone got connected to the leg bone and the leg bone got connected to the thigh bone. And the thigh bone got connected to the hip bone. 
and the hip bone got connected to the backbone and the backbone got connected to the neck bone and a great army stood up because God was not through I don't care what you're facing today I don't care how ugly it looks I don't care who told you that it won't work just hold on hold on hold on just a little while longer and love God's love will show itself love can last if you practice believing if you practice bearing all things believing all things hoping all things and enduring in all of the circumstances in your life you will see the manifestation of the power of God I love the Lord anybody love God I love the Lord you don't know what he's done for me gave me the victory doors open doors of church open somebody might want to come today somebody might want to give God a try God's love will endure God's love will hold up God's love will hold out God will bless you God will make you God will change you God will keep you life God will help you God bless you doors of church open anytime you can come today by better come in your own Christian experience come as a candidate for baptism we're offering church membership. For those who may be home, you can call the prayer line, the membership line. Whatever your need is today. God's love is enduring. He can make sure that your relationship lasts. I want you to see a man who's enduring. I want you to hear his song. Say it, Walter. Come on, sing it, Walter.
Friends, this is your friend again, Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm back again to talk about this book. We've introduced this book to you before, and we want to tell you a little bit more about it today. We want to talk today about the impact that materials can have. All of us are impacted by something. We're impacted by experiences. We're impacted by things that we have heard and seen and experienced in our life. And this book really shares a lot of the impact that has been made in my life through 48 years or 45 years of being married, 50 years of being with the same lady. And I tell you, when I first got married, there were a lot of things I just did not know. But over the years and over the times, I've gained tremendous insights. And I've written down those insights and made them available in this book. Friends, in addition to the book that we have been discussing, 
So You Want to Be Married, I've also been fortunate enough to share insight and impact through other books that we have written. The first book that we ever wrote was When God Changes a Church, It Becomes the Church for the Unchurched. The second book is a very important book, Pathways to Church Growth, Reaching the Unchurched. And the third book, Everybody Deserves a Good Funeral. I've seen so many funerals, I've participated in quite a number, and there are mistakes sometimes that are made. This book gives great insight and comfort to those who are going through the process. And finally, the book that we're featuring today, So You Want to Be Married. Follow the prompts on the screen and find out how these impactful books may also impact your life. Friends, this is Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. We really appreciate all of the love and support that you have shown to us through these broadcasts. We've been hearing from people and our friends all over, and we want you to pray about being a supporter and a prayer partner and a supporter of this television ministry. If you believe the Holy Spirit has ministered the Word of God to you and you'd like to see this ministry continue and to share it with your friends, please consider being a supporter. Follow the prompts on the screen. We would love to hear from you.